Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. When we get an email uh, in early June stating that it's going to be 60 days before the building is compliant with building codes, it's clear that under center plan and Dono's control, under their responsibility, there was no way that baseball was going to be played this year. That's Hartford Mayor Luke Bronin at a stadium press conference earlier this month. The the delay in the more than $60 million minor league baseball stadium led the city to terminate developer Dono Hartford LLC and center plan companies. But it's much bigger than the stadium because the project had grown into a $350 million neighborhood development project. Now it's going to happen to that part of downtown Hartford. Today where we live, we explore what's next as the Yard Goats get closer and closer to ending their regular season. Have you gone to any of the home games in Norwich? Do you live in Hartford? What's your take? Do you think the city and the developer will, will figure out a way to get the ballpark completed, even if it means no baseball this season? Join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Comment on our website, wmpr.org. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, at Where We Live. And today we're also joined by the cameras of CTN. And Jeff Cohen, welcome to Where We Live again. Good morning, Lucy. So we're waiting on uh, Hartford Mayor Luke Bronin to join us. But before we get to the mayor and the question of what's next, we wanted to take a step back with you, Jeff, because you've been covering this um, from the very beginning, this uh, long saga to get baseball in Hartford. Two years now. Two years. So Two how years. did this all uh, come about? This, uh, it's, it's, it, it is useful to go back and think big picture about where we are and how we got here. Keep in mind, and if you don't live in Hartford, you should... Close your eyes and think a little bit about Hartford. You know where 84 goes through the city. There is a big sea of surface parking just north of the highway. That was famously where uh, a building was once got to be known as the Bud Ugly Building. And and, uh, when Mayor Sagara came to office, he made a pretty big priority of tearing down this blighted building relatively soon into his tenure. Uh, And then there was this... uh, It continued to be the sea of parking that they marketed. It was called Downtown North or Dono. Um, And it it went through a pretty extensive planning and development process. And then there was a redevelopment plan or a development plan, I forget which one it is, uh, for that neighborhood that was about housing and retail and mixed-use development. But it never actually uh, got any traction. It was a hard place to to get financing for. Uh, And then come – I guess it's two years ago now. Two years ago now we had uh, a press conference on the steps of City Hall. Uh, that there was going to be a stadium there. And so th- the genesis of this isn't that a stadium was always in the city's uh, sites. This happened because the team, Josh Solomon, uh, uh, then of the Rockcats, now of the Yard Goats, decided that he wanted to move his team or, and it's important to say, the team was going to leave the state. That was the comments that we heard from the, the city. I remember reaching out to Springfield, Massachusetts, one of the places that they had threatened to leave and, and go to, and they said, oh, we didn't know anything about it. So that was sort of the dynamic. It, it sort of sprung up, and when it did, it was just uh, a stadium, and that was it. It, had, it then grew uh, for various reasons. Mayor Bronin joins us now. He might have some thoughts on that, but it was sort of a, it was a, a bit of a difficult political sell to sell just a stadium uh, in a neighborhood and in a city that was uh, exceedingly poor. 
so th- for various reasons, the project grew into a $350 million development project with housing and retail and a brewery and a hotel eventually and a grocery store maybe. Uh, and that's sort of where we are now. It, it went from a baseball stadium because one team wanted to move from one town to another to a huge project that is still should be, as far as, if I, as far as I'm concerned, the real focus of a lot of the dialogue now because as the stadium falters, we still have the bigger question of what happens with the rest of this development. We're joined now by Hartford Mayor Luke Bronin. Welcome to where we live. Good morning. It's great to be with you. Uh, so let's t- uh, talk a little bit about uh, what you inherited as mayor. I know it's uh, six months in. Uh, how feasible did you think this timeline was to get this stadium up and running for baseball with the yard goats? Well, look, I, my, my concerns were bigger than timeline. You know, I, the, the concerns for me were more about the numbers, uh, whether the city of Hartford was ever in a position to uh, commit to a project of this uh, magnitude and that expense. Uh, and also whether what was promised uh, could actually be delivered, not just in the stadium, but as Jeff just pointed out, the broader development. And uh, that, that has always been my primary concern, is how the numbers could work uh, and, uh, and whether what was promised uh, could be delivered. And I agree with Jeff that, the, for me, I don't think there's any justification for building a stadium uh, at, at a, uh, a cost of what's going to be you know, well over $70 million for a city like Hartford. And the only redeeming feature of the plan was the prospect of getting the rest of the development done. So that, for me, remains uh, an important part of this. But I think uh, I still have concerns that what was promised at the time that was rolled out under the last administration uh, was... Uh, was a little bit more pie in the sky. And, uh, go ahead. And you spoke to former Mayor Pedro Segarra. Tell us about uh, his pie in the sky. Yeah, it was sort of blast from the recent past. It was good to reach out to the mayor and get a t- in touch base with Mayor Segarra on where he saw he thought things were now. So one question I asked him, one question I asked him was, "Look, this was a tight timeline. Uh, a baseball park in a year uh, always seemed like a really accelerated timeline." So I asked him if he thought it was feasible. I think. I think. I think it was feasible, but I also knew and it was understood by the parties that it would have required a lot of collaboration uh, between both sides in order to get things flowing as smoothly as possible. Um, You know, up till the very end of the part of next year, everything was on budget and on schedule. So um, after I announced that I would no longer be a candidate for mineral office, uh, then things started to, you know, swing the other way. And, of course, after January 1st, I wasn't there to uh, do what I had done in the past, which was to uh, negotiate, to be able to reach some common ground and to be able to move forward so that the project will continue to stay on time. Now, Lucy, one of the other aspects, and we can get Mayor Bronin can respond if you'd like to in a second, but one of the other aspects of this uh, that is significant to me as someone who's watched it for a while is is the scope of the entire development, but also how this stadium gets paid for. The city of Hartford, through its stadium authority, had to borrow uh, $56 million, $51 million? The issuance was actually $63 million. $63 million. So they borrowed $63 million. Eventually, the city's on the hook. Uh, Not this year, it's half of that, but roughly roughly almost $5 million a year for the duration of the debt. The city, uh, under Mayor Segarra, had long said uh, that the stadium would effectively pay for itself, that the project, that the development that grew up around the stadium, uh, the hotel, the, the apartments, all the retail, would generate enough revenue 
to pay that annual debt. If it does, should it not, that puts this mayor, Mayor Bronin, in a sticky situation, but because $5 million is a, is a pretty hefty chunk of the city's budget, about a percentage. Uh, so I asked Mayor Cigar about that, and here's what he said. Look, you know, I'm a, I'm a sensible person. I, I'm not going to get into a deal if I see that the numbers don't work. And we worked very hard to get those numbers in line, uh, the sources of revenue, in order to make it work. So uh, I believe that the, the, the revenues that were projected would have been sufficient to cover the cost of the stadium. And, and creating a stadium authority would have accomplished the, 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 the oversight uh, for people to work together, uh, the treasurer, the city administration, elected officials, uh, and people from the community uh, to be able to manage to make sure that that was the case. Mayor Bronin, did you want to respond to that? I mean, we hear former Mayor Cigar saying that he believed that the plan, there was enough revenue to cover this project. Yeah, I guess I would say uh, at the time that plan was rolled out, I said, I don't think that these numbers work. Uh, and uh, I've always had concerns that that was uh, the revenue projections were inflated. Now, if he, what he's saying is that if the numbers that were on the paper were real, then we would get all the money we need, then that's true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. The question is, were the numbers that they put on the paper uh, real? And... Uh, I've always had concerns. I still had concerns. And one of the things I said during the campaign was anybody who tells the taxpayers of Hartford that they're not going to have to bear a good portion of this cost is uh, is not being forthright with them. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We're joined today by Hartford Mayor Luke Bronin and WMPR's Jeff Cohen. If you have a question about what's happening in Hartford with that new minor league baseball stadium, give us a call, 860-275-7266. I want to take a call now from Carrie calling from New London. Carrie, you're on where we live. Uh, yes, uh, and thank you for taking my call. Good morning, Mayor uh, Good morning, uh, Bronin and uh, Mayor Segarra, or former Mayor Segarra. Uh, I want to preference my comments by saying that I've always been a proponent of the stadium. Uh, I think that it is uh, a necessary asset to the city of Hartford. And as a, a resident, uh, Mayor Bronin, um, my question is twofold. Number one, um, in your scope, uh, what do you think derailed the uh, the stadium? Because on paper, um, the numbers did seem as if they would work. And then number two, uh, with the termination of the general contractor, uh, was there not enough uh, scrutiny um, uh, beforehand uh, on the design, build, the engineering, architectural requirements, which would probably have reduced the number of change orders that was issued, which escalated the uh, cost of construction. All right. Thank you, Kerry. Uh, Mayor Bronin, do you want to respond? Yeah, so the first part, thanks, Kerry, for the question. The first part of the question was, you know, how did the baseball stadium fall off track? And remember that uh, when I took office about five months ago in January, uh, right around that time, uh, it suddenly became apparent that the baseball stadium was more than $10 million over budget and many months behind schedule. So clearly it had fallen off track a while before. And uh, whether uh, that had just uh, people had decided that they'd not deal with that or not talk about that until uh, the new year or uh, or whether uh, folks really didn't realize how far it was off track, it had been off track for quite a while. And in January, what I did uh, was bring everybody to the table, the developer, the baseball team, the city, and say, look, let's forge an agreement and let's forge ahead and let's make sure that we don't get stuck with a hole in the ground or a partially built stadium that we're going to have to be looking at for the next 20 years. And that's what we did to get that moving. Uh, but the bigger problem, again, is that the 
the stadium clearly fell off track a long time before, and I think one of the big reasons for that is that the development team that was selected was just in over their heads. They, they've never built a baseball stadium. They've never built anything like a baseball stadium. And uh, they, they clearly lost control of the project, both cost and timeline. Could I ask, uh, Lucy, could I ask him two questions if that's all right? One question is, I know you had a meeting with Arch. Some, the city had a meeting yesterday with the insurance company. Could you just update people uh, to, to the extent that you can on where we are? Sure. So uh, Arch continues to be... Arch, in, by the way, excuse me. Arch, people, Arch yeah. is the insurance company that's, uh, the, the surety company that's evaluating the status of the project and, and figuring out a way forward in theory with, uh, with the city. Right. But they hold the performance bond for the developers. And uh, it's our position that it's their obligation now to come in to oversee completion of the stadium and to provide any financing that's necessary to get it done. What they're doing now is what any surety would do in this situation. They're doing their due diligence. They're uh, investigating the record, and they're also investigating the stadium. So we've spent an awful lot of time with them uh, over the past few weeks, both on the phone, but also you know, they've been uh, with their experts going around the stadium and, and looking at the deficiencies and, and looking at where it's fallen short. Uh, you know, If this were not such a high-profile project that everybody is focused on, appropriately so, uh, I don't think it would seem unusual at all that insurance companies taking you know more than three weeks to do this assessment. You know th- th- these assessments take a little while, and I think we we have to be patient to some extent. At a certain point, however, we have to say, look, we're, we're going to start uh, pursuing our rights more aggressively. Did you get any representation from them yesterday, or did your staff get any representation that uh, of where things were, what their timeline was? Uh, no, that, not no specific timeline. I mean, we we are uh, impressing on them the the importance of moving quickly, and I think you know what they understand and what they should understand is that the longer this goes, uh, potentially the more exposure they have. I wanted to go back to something you said, Mayor Bronin. You said that the even before um, you came into office, the development team was in over their heads. They'd never done a stadium project. Um, we're going to hear from the developers in the next segment, but you know they also say the city is culpable for you know making a lot of changes along the way. I mean, how do you respond to that? Uh, it, it's just not the case. I, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time now looking uh, at the record, uh, and particularly since January, you know, since we forged that agreement uh, with, with the team and with the developer to move forward uh, and wanted desperately to work in partnership and, and get it done, the changes that came about were really of three kinds. One are changes that uh, the, the developers proposed uh, as part of their so-called value engineering efforts to save money. The other are changes that required to comply with building code, you know, things that any development team should understand, has a responsibility to understand and to infer from the design. And to the extent that the design was in any way unclear or ambiguous about those requirements, the design team worked for the developer. It was a design-build contract. And uh, for for a long time now, there's no been no ambiguity, uh, no question that that design team works for the developer. There's a, there's a lot to litigate in this, uh, and we've heard a lot about that. And uh, we're not really in a position as reporters necessarily to litigate it. So I will save some of that questioning for some other venue. But let me ask if I could go back to the original part of the original premise of, of what we were talking about earlier in this segment. As you understand the rest of the project, Dono and Center Plan have deadlines, I think, that they have to meet contractually in terms of getting financing to build a hotel, to build retail and apartments. Where Where does all of that stand? And does this current dust up between the city and Dono jeopardize the rest of the project? 
Well, let me say, first of all, I, I think that the rest of the project may have been uh, jeopardized regardless of this dust-up. Uh, you know, as you said earlier on, part of that proposal, in, in the, uh, when it first came forward and when the developer first put their uh, proposal in, was that there was going to be a grocery store here, that there was going to be a, uh, a brewery. And then back in uh, December, again, before I took office, there was a big announcement that there was going to be a Hard Rock Hotel. At this point, it's, it's quite clear that uh, they've not made any progress in striking a deal with the brewery. Uh, they have said explicitly that they have been unable to secure a supermarket, even though they represented at the beginning that they had uh, a supermarket uh, who, who had agreed to come. And we haven't heard anything about the hotel for an awfully long time, and it's not clear to me that they have their financing in place. So that may have been an issue regardless of what had happened with the stadium. And do they have contractual obligations in terms of proving that? They they have a certain timeline by which they have to make minimum progress. But I'll tell you, one of those requirements is that they have a secured agreement with a grocery store. And it seems awfully clear that they're not going to have that. Uh, But but clearly, the experience of the city – with this baseball stadium and with the development team during the baseball stadium has got to inform our decisions about what's going to happen on the rest of that project. And that's a conversation that the city council and I uh, will be having. I want to take another call. Uh, Derek from Windsor is calling. Derek, you're on Where We Live. Morning, Lucy. I want to ask the mayor three questions. First of all, I am a taxpayer. And I think this stadium was a rush to judgment. We see this all the time from politicians, especially in Hartford here. I remember years ago with, when the whalers were supposed to come here. And um, I want to ask the mayor, how is this going to benefit the minority community? Because I personally have heard a lot of buzz regarding this project from the minority community. And I want to know who is going to be held accountable. I hope it's not the taxpayer for this default. And that's a fair question, uh, Mayor Bronin. I mean, the city residents are on the hook for this. Uh, yeah, look, you, uh, you, in some ways, um, you, you and I are on exactly the same page. I, I agree that it was a rush to judgment. I think you're exactly right that it was a rush to judgment. Uh, I think it was sold to the taxpayers as something that was not going to be a burden to them. Uh, and at the time, I raised the question saying, I think it's hard to believe that this isn't going to be a burden on the taxpayers of Hartford. Uh, with respect to the minority community in particular, let me say two things. You know, one of the other concerns that I had with this stadium is that if you're going to spend $70, 80000000 million as a city of Hartford, there are an awful lot of things you can spend that money on. And there are an awful lot of things I would have put higher on the priority list than building a baseball stadium. You know, the revitalization of our commercial corridors, whether you're talking about Albany Avenue or, or Franklin Avenue or, uh, or North Main or Maple. You know, the, uh, the, the support and investment in uh, creating an environment for our small businesses where they can really thrive. Uh, neighborhood investments. There are an awful lot of places I would have put that investment first. But you've got to play your hand you're dealt. And when I took office, we had a stadium that was uh, already being built. And more importantly, you had bonds that had already been issued that could only be used for a baseball stadium. So if, if you uh, are asking me to justify the original decision, I can't do it. Uh, but if you're asking me, you know, why are we continuing to try to get this project done, it's because I think you've got to play the hand you're dealt. And that's uh, our obligation to make sure that we're not stuck with a, a an empty stadium for decades to come. It seems clear that that you have doubts, a lot of doubts, about whether the rest of the project under this arrangement will happen, will be built. Uh, on the back to the stadium well, itself. Let me just be, be clear on that point. I mean, I, I have doubts about whether this current development team uh, is going to be able to pull off what they promised to pull off. 
but I am committed to doing everything we can to get that area developed. Fair enough. And how do you feel about baseball this season? I've, I've said ever since May 17th deadline was met, I've said that it's highly unlikely that baseball is going to be played this season. And as much as I'd love to have baseball played this season, that's not the priority. Uh, when it comes to the baseball stadium, priority is number one, getting it done, and number two, ensuring that we're minimizing the burden on the taxpayers like our last caller. We're getting a tweet from Elizabeth. She says the stadium seems almost done. What would it take to just play ball? Uh, it would take a lot. It would take a lot. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's still a good amount of work that needs to be done in there. Uh, as you heard the developers uh, said three weeks ago, uh, they were 60 days away from making the building compliant with building codes. And that essentially takes you to the end of the baseball, stadium, uh, baseball season uh, already. So there is a good amount of work to be done. You know, sometimes the final, uh, final stretch of a project like this can be, among the, can, can be the hardest part. Lucy, we're about to go back. To, uh, we're about to go to a break, but just to wrap this one up, I did speak with Mayor Segarra, uh, as we heard earlier in the show. And one question I had from for him was that he had uh, earlier in his tenure spoken about throwing out the first pitch whenever that first pitch happens. I asked him if that was still something that he was interested in doing. I'm available. You're available. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I've been working out at the gym a little bit, so my arm has gotten stronger. Well, there's a lot of finger-pointing in this uh, debate, and we know pa- uh, former Mayor Pedro Segarra is, is still around uh, to help throw that pitch. He's got time. We'll find out more uh, with the developers coming up on uh, where this project goes from here, and we'll have more with uh, Mayor Luke Bronin uh, later in the hour. You can join the conversation, too, 860-275-7266. Comment on our website, wmpr.org slash where we live, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. We'll be right back. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. For part of today's show, we're focusing in on the question of baseball in Hartford. Now that the $350 million downtown development project, which included the Yard Goats new stadium, has been stalled, that's because earlier this month, Hartford Mayor Luke Bronin terminated the developer, Center Plan Companies, and Dono Hartford LLC for not completing the stadium on time. So there will likely be no baseball played in the city this summer. Well, how will the city work towards getting the ballpark ready by next spring? And how costly will this delay turn out to be for Hartford? Um, in studio with me is Jeff Cohn, reporter for WMPR. If you have questions, you can give us a call at 860-275-7266. You can comment on our Facebook or Twitter at Where We Live, and you can email us at live at wmpr.org. Uh, Mayor Bronin will join us later in the show. Uh, in studio now is Jason Rudnick, manager of Dono Hartford LLC, and Robert Landino, CEO of Center Plan Companies. Oh, I guess I'll start with you, uh, Robert. You heard the, the mayor uh, earlier uh, talking about um, how the project came to be before he was elected. I mean, how would you like to respond? And we do want to move this conversation forward, but I think we do need to have some history here as well. Sure. Um, how would I respond and relate to uh, related to, to what, what the, Mayor Bronin said that the you that the development team was over their head? Yeah. In getting so this I, I guess I would respond to that in a couple of ways. Number one, the project is approximately a sixty-five million dollar project. Uh, we just completed a sixty-five million dollar project in New Haven, which is quite successful on College and Crown, uh, uh, an apartment building and mixed-use development similar to what we would build across the street from the ballpark. We're currently working on a one hundred and twenty million dollar development in downtown New Haven for uh, adjacent to Yale New Haven Hospital. We completed a $126 million 
rest stop development where we redeveloped all of the rest stops in a design-build format throughout the state of Connecticut. So this is a project that is within our sweet spot. And the concept of being over our head when the building is 96 or 97% complete is a little curious to me. If it were 30% complete and we were frustrated about what to do next, then I would suggest that might be an appropriate comment. But when there's at most several weeks of work left to complete it, and the work left to complete is largely a result of owner-directed changes, it just surprises me that anyone would reach that conclusion. You could walk around the building as you suggested or Jeff suggested earlier. It looks complete from a non-technical point of view, and it just needs a little bit of work to finish. Virtually all of it related to changes that were made in April and May. But if you got in and, and you made those changes, how long would it take? Because of CCD6, Change Directive 6, which was dated May 31st, which requires rooftop railings around the HVAC units. Uh, that is what would drive the final schedule. And what I have said previously is it's about six weeks worth of work, maybe a couple of weeks longer now because we have to re-engage subcontractors that have left the site. Mm. So, and to that point, you're saying that's a city-directed change. Yes, that's I, a, that was a city-directed change. And uh, just at the risk of litigating it. No, no worries. Uh, why, have fun. It, Go it, ahead. It came up when and, and, and by whom? Was it, were there not railings on the original drawings? So there is a design team, and I heard the mayor say that we had full responsibility for the design team. That's a separate issue. We have a contractual assignment that we don't have the design team under our control that's dated June 6th. Separate discussion. Whoever's responsibility is to control the designer, the designer did not put railings around rooftop units in his design. The building official approved those drawings. The building got built for 15 or 16 months. I don't know exactly the date, but in sometime in April, perhaps, the building official noticed that there should be railings around the HVAC units. The architect looked at it and said, yeah, you're right, there should be. They issued a change directive dated May 31st, two weeks after the deadline of the, of the building, saying that. We're not code experts as contractors. Like I said before, things happen. We don't, we don't point fingers. We don't blame people. We look at the reality of what's before us and try to solve the problem. Now we're faced with six or eight weeks' worth of work. My good friend Jason Rudnick, who sits to my right, um, in indicated in a very diplomatic email on, on a Friday that uh, we received this CCD in draft form. Let's all get together and meet and discuss how to resolve this. Perhaps we could open up the stadium Without this work being completed, we don't know. We'd like to sit down with the building official and sit down with the, with the development office and sit down with the team if necessary. And that letter prompted us being terminated. This is not a comfortable place for developers to be in. Nor is it. A I'm perfectly place for, comfortable. I don't. I don't mean in our studios. I yeah. have. No. I mean, <laughs> I mean. I mean. Generally speaking, you do a lot of public work as a company. Yeah. So, uh, so a lot of public projects. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what about this? How did, what this does to a to a business? Yeah. So so the methodology that the mayor's office has chosen, the termination, the making statements like we're in over our head, hurts our brand. It hurts the value of our company. Hurts our reputation, which. Jason and I have spent over 10 years building. Prior to that, I've spent 30 years building. My personal reputation in the state, I've never had anything like this happen to me or, or, uh, or have it be this, this messy. Um, because, again, I've typically tried to be solution-driven. So, yes, it has hurt us, uh, but we're still moving forward. We still have quite a bit of pipeline in other places than Hartford and are doing you know, reasonably well with it. 
Uh, you mentioned Jason Rudnick, manager of Dono Hartford LLC. I wanted to bring you in on the conversation, if you don't mind talking yeah, into no, the absolutely. microphone. Um, so the larger question beyond the, the stadium is this downtown development. What happens to this project now? You know, we're still moving ahead. We're still committed to the project, and we've always said that publicly. Um, I certainly don't, to be candid, appreciate uh, or uh, agree with the commentary of, of the mayor earlier. Um, you know, we've all had very open and candid discussions about where we are. Um, bring up items like the hotel. He knows full well that city council hasn't even approved our right to be able to build a hotel. We're still pursuing it, and we have a written agreement with Hard Rock. Um, we've had very candid discussions with him about the supermarket. Um, and, you know, without betraying his own confidences, he knows what we all talked about and what he agreed to as well with regard to that item. So, I mean, if, if we're going to start bringing up little bits of it, again, I've always said this, let's all be transparent and be honest about what we've discussed instead of just pointing fingers at one another and not telling the people of Hartford what others have agreed to and discussed. So it's then, just not appropriate. So then to that point, can you tell the people of Hartford, anybody else who's listening, what is the status of the remainder of the project? What are your, what are your milestones that you have in the near future and how far are you towards meeting them? Yeah. So imagine for a minute you're a banker and uh, you're providing a loan proposal to a project that is this, is this project and you read what's happening in the newspaper. So or you hear it on the radio. So, so you hear it on the radio. So the action uh, of, of the prior several weeks has, has certainly you know, caused harm to us and our ability to execute, or anyone's ability to execute for that matter. To that point, we still have a valid senior debt proposal, which the bank that has proposed it continues to support it to build the first phase of Block E. We need certain things and again, this tell people is, what Block E is. Block E is the uh, mixed-use apartment retail building with structured parking directly across the street from uh, from the ballpark, which is our first phase of work. This is a collaborative effort. This isn't a gotcha. This isn't a us against the world. And yes, we need the city's support. We have final plans that need permission to be uh, built from planning and zoning. We need relief from the grocery store because we had Shoprite. We had the real estate director of ShopRite at our interviews when we were selected saying they were interested in coming to Hartford, they have decided not to come to Hartford. And uh, in all honesty, we've tried 20 other grocery stores and no one is ready to come to this location. What they have said is build it and maybe we'll come in a year or two. So what we've asked the mayor conceptually and what I believe the city council president and others support is a deferment of that requirement to allow us to build phase one Without the grocery store, if that is not required uh, or if that is not permitted, what we've said is, okay, we'll probably find a way to self-perform and build our own grocery store that we take operating risk on just to maintain the execution responsibilities that we have before us. We need, we need support from the city, not a finger-pointing session about who's to blame. You mentioned the grocery store. When we look at the, the, uh, the saga of this whole project, I mean, when city residents, a lot of them didn't want the baseball stand. They would value the grocery store. And so, I mean, when we look at a project that we, we don't just want it to be, um, you know, something that fits for the team, but fits for the city. We're already down that path. And so, I mean, I think that, that city residents would appreciate to hear more than just a, you know, ball being played in this project. Project, if it's a part of Hartford that has sat vacant and it's been a sea of parking lots, as Jeff suggested. Yeah, I don't know that I agree that residents universally want a grocery store. You can't always get what you want. That's a song title, isn't it? You can't always get what you want. The grocery stores are not interested in the, in the neighborhood right now. 
We think they will be. We believe in the city of Hartford. We believe in the vision of what we are creating. And we believe once we build some of what we're creating, that a grocery store will show interest. But there's a much different dynamic when six or 700 apartments are built versus empty parking lots. And half the market is an office environment. And the other half is the north end of Hartford, which needs a grocery store. It's not enough to support a grocery store. And, and, and if I can just add to that, because I started with the whole entire idea of transparency. And I've been very clear about that from the beginning. So let's just be clear, because Bob brought up the thing. But the city administration and the mayor himself are sitting on documents that we all discussed, that we were asked to draft, that we sent to them regarding a deferral of the supermarket. So they're complicit in these conversations. So the idea that they come in and say, we can't deliver, well, we all discussed this. We all sat and had this discussion. And you spoke to council, and you told us to draft something, and we sent it to you. So I'm sure that somebody can discover that pretty easily because the document exists and the email chain exists from me to him directly. So We're litigating, by the way, John. We're litigating. So let me <laughs> you ask shouldn't have invited a lawyer into the room. Yeah, 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 it's your yeah, fault. Yeah, right. So let me ask you then, what is the next step? What, what is the next thing that has to happen? How will people know? If you're out there, that something is going to happen in that property across the street from the baseball yeah, I would like to answer that question, and at some point before we leave, I'd like to respond to the fact that there have been no changes other than code compliance. I'd like to respond to that sure. digressing from, from your point. But to answer your question, we are fully prepared and have offered uh, to have settlement discussions with the city. The city's attorney, Howard Rifkin, has said in one of his termination letters that he would like to meet with us. So, I'm sorry, settlement discussions on the entirety of the On of the, the project? entirety of the project. Okay. Um, and, and there has been a suggestion in a letter, I believe dated June 22nd, from the mayor's council about an invitation to meet and discuss. We're, we're still waiting for that meeting. It hasn't happened. Our lawyers have had discussions. We are prepared to submit a formal settlement proposal, if not tomorrow in the next few days. The settlement proposal will include us finishing the ballpark, will include a third party monitoring our progress, will include us funding the balance of the work to complete the ballpark, and will include an affirmation or reaffirmation of us continuing with the balance of the development in a way that requires the city to provide the support necessary for us to go forward, um, the details of which we're fine to publicly disclose at the appropriate time. We are fully transparent and not intending to hide any detail. Um, in, in addition to that, our bonding company, when they first, and I don't want to speak for them, so I, I'm speaking from my point of view, not from theirs, but I'll paraphrase in my point of view. When they saw that the building was 96 or 97% complete, in my view, they were a bit dumbfounded on what to do, especially given the public scrutiny. Most times when a bond is called, the building's a mess. It's half completed. There's incompetence, clear incompetence. This building is completed. There's weeks worth of work left. It will take four to six months for a bonding company typically to analyze a bond claim and make a recommendation for a solution. I believe that if that process goes through its full cycle, 2017 season will not occur by the time it happens. The next season. The next season. It just Right now, we're probably looking at September or October before we are reengaged to finish the ballpark. And if a replacement contractor is hired, it's probably later than that. As a practical matter, 
uh, obviously, you're, you're making an offer that I hadn't heard before, which is great, yeah. uh, to essentially cover the cost, the remaining cost to finish the stadium, even though you would dispute that it's not your uh, yeah. fault. We certainly uh, would reserve our rights to pursue that in court or in arbitration. And come back and get that money later. At some point later on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you've not heard back. Well, no, no. We haven't made a formal proposal. We've had discussions, and we're going to make a formal proposal soon. We are hopeful that the mayor's office and the folks involved take a team approach to solving this issue and not take a, a, an approach where we're isolated as the sole reason why this hasn't succeeded. And that segues into some of the changes. Do you mind if I quickly read to you? at high level, the changes <laughs> that have... It. Okay. <laughs> Under a minute. <laughs> CCD1, multiple changes to flat screen TV locations as well as the addition of new TV locations. Dated April 27th. Call that Exhibit 1. Changes in, the, changes in the construction of materials in the multiple drinking bars. CCD, CD, CCD2, which is dated April 15th. New construction and electrical work to support Budweiser and Team Store signs. New construction to support a 15-foot sculpture of a stag. So tell me your point. Providing, <laughs> providing and constructing new steel supports and hold super graphic display along the east exterior wall of the center field. This goes on. I could read, a, I could read this for five minutes. These are non-code compliance, team-directed changes that if we had any control over design, budget, or schedule, we would outright reject and not have as part of our work scope. These are changes that were directed to us by the city of, new, uh, by the city of Hartford, on April 15th, April 27th, May 12th, and May you. 31st. So let me ask you, and I know Jason wants to say but we have to head to a break, and I want to ask you this question. Yeah. Uh, given the status of things, why would you want to finish the thing with the city? Because given, we're, given, because given, we're given crazy. The, given the feel of things don't – it's not exactly one happy family. It's – you know, ever, not no one's really happy here. Yet you want to continue yes. down a much longer marriage. So th this goes by to the spirit of where I think some of the issues are. I believe in the city of Hartford. Jason, I believe, would agree. He believes. He's nodding. Absolutely. Believes in the city of Hartford. We believe in the success of the city of Hartford. We believe in the people in the city of Hartford. We don't take a negative view. We don't say that Hartford's fiscal challenges are going to prevent us from building what we think we want to build. We, we have done the same in, in, in New Haven, Connecticut. You have seen it other places in, in southern New England, and we believe that Hartford is ready for the type of development that we have an opportunity to build and be successful at. And that is our commitment to the city, and to the extent that we can, we will. We're going to have to leave it there. I want to thank Robert Landino, CEO of Center Plan Companies, and Jason Rudnick, manager of Dono Hartford LLC. You can join the conversation, 860-275-7266. When we return, we'll hear more from Hartford Mayor Luke Bronin. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Uh, Hartford Mayor Luke Bronin is in studio. He's been on the job for about six months now. We don't want to forget about the other important things happening in Hartford. You can join the conversation at 860-275-7266. Uh, but Mayor Bronin, you did want to respond to the developers as they left. Sure. You know, I don't want to spend this whole time talking about baseball because there are a lot of other things uh, that, that we have to talk about and that are important to talk about in the city of Hartford. But I do want to respond to a couple of things. You know, uh, 
it was interesting to me to hear that they uh, say that they're willing to put an offer forward to cover the remaining costs. That's something we had asked them uh, for a, a, a more than a month ago, uh, including and ask, asking them for a demonstration that they had the financial capacity to do that. Because what we don't want to do is get into a situation where we are uh, spending down the rest of what's in the stadium account and then finding that they don't have the financial capacity or willingness to do it. So we asked for an amount to be put into escrow or some other demonstration that the resources were there to get it done. We asked three, four, five, six times, uh, and nothing was forthcoming. So that's a conversation we'd welcome. We need to see some demonstration that there's a real capacity and real willingness to do it. And look, there were a lot of other things said in, in that uh, in that segment that I that I would take issue with, uh, but I don't want to get uh, stuck in only baseball when there are so many other important things to talk about in the city of Hartford. Well, there is one thing I wanted to um, just follow up when they suggested that um, with the bond insurer, um, sorry, the insurer involved when you pulled the bond, um, the process it would take to finish the stadium. They're saying if it goes down that route, you may not even have baseball next year. Uh, we're we're gonna. I'm not sure what route they're talking about. There are a lot of different routes. If the bond insurer decides that they're going to come in, mitigate their damages, uh, act quickly to oversee completion, mm -hmm. then the project will be in, uh, completed quickly. If they decide not to do that, they're going to pursue other avenues, uh, which may include uh, bringing in somebody to get the job done ourselves and then seeking recovery. I wanted to um, actually go to a tweet from uh, a listener who um, was listening to the baseball part of this show, um, and she's talking about how in her neighborhood, you know, students uh, in Hartford schools are still having trouble passing, um, you know, achievement exams. She says, forget baseball. What about education? Uh, it, it's exactly the right question to ask, and I would add, you know, on top of education, education, public safety, uh, making uh, our city, keeping our city uh, clean, making sure our city works. You know, those are the priorities. Those should be the priorities along with economic development in general, including in our neighborhoods. Uh, you know, on the education front, uh, we have some important and difficult conversations to have, including about the fact that we have a number of under-enrolled, in some cases highly under-enrolled schools. And so right now the school system is engaged in a planning process uh, involving community members, community leaders uh, from across the city to, uh, to think about what should the future of the Hartford Public School System, particularly our neighborhood schools, look like. Uh, from my, to my mind, we need to be putting the city in a position where we can make the necessary investments in our neighborhood schools so that parents have an option close to home uh, to be able to send their kids and have confidence in the education they're going to get. You didn't just inherit a baseball project, but you inherited a city that has longstanding uh, budget problems. So tell us about what's happening with the budget hole that you're looking to plug okay. this year. It, it, that's absolutely right. You know, the, in, in a lot of ways, the baseball stadium is a sideshow and a distraction compared to what is the much bigger issue facing the city of Hartford. And I would say facing the region and the state which is that we've got a, uh, a fiscal structure, a tax structure that just doesn't work. You know, you have a city of Hartford that's the capital city uh, where we serve the entire region. We provide services by hosting state government, by hosting hospitals, universities. Uh, we are a resource to the whole region. We are an arts and cultural center. We are the employment center of the region. Yet our taxable property in the city of Hartford is about the same amount as in the town of Farmington. That's a system that just doesn't work when property taxes are the primary source of local revenue. So we need to have a much bigger conversation about the arrangement between our region and the state and our city to make sure that we can put this whole region uh, on a, in a position to compete with those metro regions all around the country that understood long ago that the strength and success of cities is key to economic growth. 
I've read that there's a, what, $48.5 million gap that you need to fill, you and council? Well, the $48.5 million gap is the gap that we had to fill in this upcoming fiscal year 17 budget beginning tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we dealt with that in a bunch of different ways. First, we made some very deep cuts, deep and painful cuts, uh, nearly $20 million of cuts in, in services, in uh, position eliminations, uh, in reductions to grants uh, to external uh, organizations and agencies. Not, not just nice to have things, things that really matter in the city. We had to make reductions there. But there's a limit to how much we can cut. And we've reached that limit before we've really begin to fall short of our ability to deliver the basic services that our residents deserve. Beyond that, we've asked our unions to come forward with some significant concessions. And, you know, a few months ago, they had committed to come up with between 8 and $12 million in those negotiations. So far, we have not seen uh, anything approaching even the low end of that uh, spectrum. But uh, we're going to continue in those negotiations, and I hope we'll achieve some savings. Beyond that, we're doing things that will hopefully get us through the year, but that don't address the structural problem. You know, our, we're, we're pulling down our fund balance, for example. This year, we have to have that conversation as a state, as a region, about what we're going to do to make sure that our city, the capital city, the center of this region, can be on a strong, healthy, stable footing. And we're going to do everything we can from within the city of Hartford to get our house in order, but the problem is big enough and it's structural so that we can't solve that problem on our own from inside Hartford City Hall or from within Hartford's boundaries. Uh, Shortly after you took office, you went to the legislature asking for a fiscal oversight board. That misfired, right? Well, I I don't know that it misfired. The legislation didn't pass, but uh, it was also the beginning of a conversation to send up uh, the the flares and say, Mm -hmm. listen, we have a problem. As a region, as a state, and as a city, we have a problem. For years now, the city of Hartford has been running deficits that reach into the tens of millions of dollars. Uh, and it's been filled through one-time revenue, selling a parking garage or restructuring debt, doing things that you can only do once and that have long-term consequences. And so that was the opening of that discussion to say, we need some fundamental change. And that's a conversation we're going to have to continue. A part of that change needs to be re-examining the system uh, in the state where uh, a small city where half of the property in the city is non-taxable, yet where we are home to institutions that serve the region and home to some of the poorest communities and poorest neighborhoods in the entire country, uh, is not asked to just take care of our own and, and, uh, and we don't draw these walls around our cities. We need to come together as a region and do what other parts of the country did long ago, which is strengthen their heart so that the whole region can be healthy. Um, as mayor, obviously, you're, you're tasked with making sure that your city residents get basic quality services. A lot of attention the last week with, um, you know, the fact that fireworks are going to be canceled for the, the Riverfest. I mean, can you respond to uh, people's criticism that, you know, quality of life is important when we need basic services, but there's also something to be said for having events that residents can enjoy and also pulls in from the surrounding communities? Well, first of all, I would say we have, we have a lot of events. There's so much going on in the city, and there remains so much going on in the city, you know, just last weekend, there was a, a great festival down at the Riverfront, Latino Fest, uh, on June 7th and 9th. Uh, you know, next week, you've got a food truck festival over there. Uh, we've got jazz in the park. We had a blues festival uh, about a week ago uh, in the park as well. Almost every weekend and many weekday nights, there are great things to do, most of them free, for Hartford residents and for the region, and we're going to keep doing that. 
But we do have to prioritize. And I will say that uh, given some of the really tough decisions that we've had to make and some of the very hard cuts that we've had to make, uh, as much as I wish we didn't have to cancel the fireworks, the truth is it was not all that hard a decision. It's not even close to the top of our priority list. And I don't think it should be close to the top of anyone's priority list. I look forward uh, in the years ahead to building a coalition of private funders, uh, as well as I hope the region, uh, to make sure that we can we can do that, which is it's a great celebration for the whole region. But the city of Hartford can't bear that cost on our own. And given the choices that we make, it just wasn't a tough call. We just have a couple of minutes, and I know baseball dominated the hour, but um, wanted to talk with some of the campaign commitments that you made to the city, including your youth services program. You wanted to talk about that. Yeah, uh, you know, I think that one of the most important things we have to do in the city is make sure that our young people have opportunities uh, to get employment experience, to earn a paycheck, and also uh, build that resume, see the pride, feel the pride that comes with work. Uh, and in a time when we don't have a lot of resources in the city, uh, I was committed to going out privately to raise those resources, and and that's what we've done. So. Just uh, last week announced that we secured uh, more than $2 million to launch uh, the Youth Service Corps, which is going to put young people to work in our city, doing things that are visible in the neighborhoods, you know, rehabbing uh, blighted properties, beautifying uh, our, our city, beautifying our parks, uh, in some cases in the, in the winter, shoveling snow for seniors, things that are going to help build community at the same time that we put a paycheck in a young person's pocket and give them a chance to get that experience. And that program, which is going to launch in about two weeks, is going to start with 200 kids, putting 200 kids to work in. And these are kids that we're identifying by working with groups like uh, the, the school system, the YMCA, the Boys and Girls Club, uh, Compass Peace Builders, uh, Carl Hardrick over at the Y, folks who are working every single day with young people uh, who really may be at risk of falling off track. They're, they're disengaged. They're disconnected. They may be uh, out of school. They may have dropped out of school or they may be chronically absent from school. We want to get them reengaged and we're going to do it through employment. And that's just one piece of a broader employment effort. So we also were able to get a $2 million grant from the Federal Department of Labor to support an employment initiative focused on the Promise Zone, which is three uh, neighborhoods in the north end of Hartford. And uh, that's going to provide employment uh, opportunities and pathways to employment for another 275 kids. So that uh, doesn't yet get us to where we need to go, but it's a big step forward. It's going to remain a top priority for me in the months and years ahead. And we are out of time, but I do want to thank Hartford Mayor Luke Bronin. We'll have more information about that youth services program on our website. And I want to thank you for coming in, and thank I hope you, you can come in again soon. We can talk about some other things beyond baseball. That sounds good to me. And do you want to close out by singing a little bit of the Yard Goat song? <laughs>